Hello and welcome. Thank you all for joining us. We're recording this on December the 16th, which means um, Christmas is literally next week. Brent, I had this sort of realization when I was counting how many weekends were left and it's it. This is the last weekend we have. Uh, I feel like Christmas coming on a Saturday kind of messed up with my perception of how far away it was. Uh, So looking forward to that. Uh, Here on AEI, we're putting the last of our content pushed together for this calendar year. And we have a lot of great stuff in the pipeline for 2022, but um, I want to kick this off and talk a little about the, the Federal Reserve's latest meeting, Brent. So I'll let you cover some of the highlights and I'll pop up the screen here to show folks with the, the projections. Because about every quarter, uh, they do a special release of the data and it's their projections. And we find that really valuable. It's going to inform some of the questions we're going to write here to kick off 2022 about the Fed fund expectations moving forward. So I'll open that up here in Brenton and I'll let you navigate us a little bit. Yeah. So I, I think the, uh, the meeting itself and what came out of it was not very surprising what their projections and, and what the Fed said is that, you know, they're going to wind down their asset purchases and kind of accelerate their tapering with the idea that, you know, they need to start raising interest rates and, uh, they made it pretty clear that you can expect some hikes on the Fed funds rate in 2022. And you can see if you look at the median forecast for 2022, the Fed funds rate is now up to 0.9%. Uh, the range 0.6 to 0.9. So sorry, the, the central, ten, the range, uh, you're right, David, where you were going with the PN. There's was, a central t- Tendency and yeah. the range, and we'll yeah. highlight both of so those. So the range 0.4 to 1.1. So all of the members saying, yeah, we're, we're going to raise in 2022. I think, you know, everybody kind of felt that was likely to be the case, but it's, you know, down in paper now. And I think all of the members indicating that they thought that was going to be appropriate. Uh, the thing that kind of caught my eye in personally uh, just looking at it, you know, their central tendency or the median of the PCE inflation for 2022 is only 2.6% down from uh, where they were at 5.3%. So, boy, you know, they're basically, you know, saying, yeah, we're going to raise rates. It's going to get this uh, inflation uh, back down to still above the 2% target. And actually, they expect that to run above 2%, you know, for the next three years. Uh, so in some ways, kind of, uh, you know, a, a outlook on inflation that shows it running pretty hot for a while. And in some ways, I think optimistic maybe that it will get down to that 2.6 level. And we were talking offline about, you know, where should we set the forecast network target for the PC inflation and, you know, 2.6, I have a, you know, well over 50% probability that they would go over, you know, would go over that next year. So um, that, that caught my eye. Uh, something else I'll, well, there's a lot of expectations in here. Again, they update pretty regularly GDP growth. I got a problem here. I got a pop-up that popped up and I can't use my pointer. Um, (laughs) (laughs) So uh, uh, real GDP growth uh, has some 
um, 4% for next year. Um, so that's, I guess, a positive sign. What you don't want to have is an economy that has inflation or a little more inflation than normal with um, very slow or, or low growth. So I think the economy, they're expecting the economy to grow at more than 2% for the next few years. Also the unemployment rate, they expect the unemployment rate to remain stubbornly low, uh, even lower in 2022 at 3.5% and projected out for um, that way for a few years. Of course, you know, someone pointed out a while back ago, it's true. Well, one black swan away from all these projections changing, but I think it gives you a little bit of a picture of how the Fed is thinking about this. And I think the Fed's done a pretty good job of telegraphing uh, what their thoughts are. Encourage you, um, you don't need a PhD to read the summary here. I think you can read the summary of what they put out and you'll have a better idea of what Jay Powell and the committee is thinking. In fact, I would encourage you to invest the 20 minutes to read that um, rather than taking somebody's two minute version of it. Because I think the Fed stopped using the word transitory. I think if you read the Fed notes, you're understanding what they meant by transitory. But if you were listening to other people, they were muddying up what that meant. So I think the Fed's done a pretty decent job of explaining how they're looking at this. And we can disagree with them, but I think we should at least understand what they're thinking, what their thoughts are, and how their thinking has evolved a little bit. Yeah, real easy to find. Just Google it and you'll find their press conference and all of that kind of stuff there. Uh, and it's, you know, carefully written. And obviously it, it is interesting. There's a lot of debate in macroeconomics about the Phillips curve, which is the re- relationship between unemployment rate and inflation rate. And, um, you know, you thought to be one of these things that was, pretty stable for a long time and then it kind of fell apart where we started to see really low unemployment rates and no inflation and uh you know that's kind of what you know the fed is forecasting here you know that is a super tight labor market i mean three and a half percent unemployment is tight very very tight just kind of wonder uh how long we can run at that low of unemployment and keep inflation under control. So, so Brett, we're going to talk about farmland values a little bit. You've done a lot of great writing on this. We've been doing a lot of traveling and doing some meetings with growers and, and different organizations. And so to transition this, I want to preview a little bit of our coming Ag Forecast Network questions, the ones that we've drafted, uh, and we're going to post those over the holiday. And people keep asking what's going to happen with interest rates. I think that's a really great question, but I think we need to be more specific in what we're talking about. And so we've written three questions. And one of them is, what's the probability of the Federal Reserve raising that target fund rate in the first six months of the year? The second one is, what's them making a big move, something like 150 basis points in 2022 with that Fed funds rate? And the third point, which is I think most relevant to ag and, and everyone listening here is, what happens with that 10-year treasury note, right? What's the chance of the 10-year treasury note starting to work its way higher as well? I think sometimes you get super focused on the Fed moving the target rates, but in a lot of cases, ag and farmland values are more directly linked to the longer run rates, which are you know impacted by more than just the Federal Reserve's expectations. And you know, I think that's something that we got to think about. So Brent, uh, I'll let you talk a little bit about the farmland values and what you've been yeah. talking about. So farmland values are on absolute terror. And, uh, you know, the Iowa realtors were out. I think their number was 28% for, from like September to September. Uh, Iowa State just came out with their survey. I think yesterday it was up 29%. Uh, there is absolutely no question that farmland prices are 
you know, way higher this year. And, um, you know, this map came right out of uh, the Kansas City Feds report, but you can see that, you know, there's just Iowa, Minnesota, South Dakota, 20% gains, Nebraska, 16%, Illinois, 13%, Indiana, 15%. Uh, they're all up substantially. And, you know, we had been saying for a long time, the previous five years have been pretty lousy farm income. And what was supporting farmland values were very, very low interest rates. We took those very, very low interest rates and added on top of it really good farm income. And you're seeing the impact in the farmland market. And so I think it's creating more risk uh, right now because there is certainly risk that those longer term rates start to creep up. And it's not just farmland. All asset values right now, I think, are, I don't want want to say not overvalued, but inflated or pushed up by really, really low interest rates. And if that starts to moderate, it will definitely have a moderating impact on farmland. And then, then you have this question of, well, how much longer will the good times in the commodity sector continue? And I don't think anybody knows the answer to that. But what we do know is that when you get to these kinds of cost structures, which are substantially higher, you've got more risk. And and the risk to the downside, it's going to hurt more. So last year, 450 corn would have hurt. In fact, I think most a lot of people would have been profitable at 450 corn. Uh, Not nearly as profitable as they are at six, uh, but they they would have been able to make it work. Next year, 450 corn is not going to feel so good. Uh, if, if it were to do that, I'm not saying it will, but what I'm saying is that there's risk there. And so when we start seeing these kinds of increases, it, it's worth, you know, sitting back and thinking about where they might continue to go. And there's no reason they can't go up, you know, as, as much next year, but there's also, you know, potential that they moderate a bit as well. So a couple of things uh, I'll add is uh, last spring, the farmland market was not this hot. And to highlight this, we did some work in January and farmland values were up three or 4% year over year. Uh, Illinois had some survey data came out in March and it was up, you know, two or 3% in Illinois. And the Purdue survey, which we followed for that forecast network question came in at 14% higher, which was sort of the first uh, shot across the bow of like, okay, how have expectations started to ratchet higher? And as Brent said, the September data out of Iowa said 28%. USDA had some August and September data that showed state level changes pretty big in the Great Plains. But then it seems like the last half of the year, and especially the last quarter, we're starting to really see this turn up a lot. I think that this higher cost structure is really raising the stakes a lot. You know, we're locking in $5 per bushel costs of production with current fertilizer prices and seed prices and crop protection and cash rental rates. And there's really not a safety net in place until we get the crop insurance uh, locked in there. And then Brent, you wrote a great article and I'll just, you know, mention passing Curtis folks to go read it about ARC and PLC and how that safety net isn't going to be functioning like it should. The five-year Olympic average, there's a lot of things that are challenging with the ARC and PLC. And we've ranted about that at, at various different points, but the one that we point out this time, or you wrote about was how this five-year Olympic averaging is going to keep that safety net from working its way up. And so yeah, 450 uh, corn, which would have been really good price 18 months ago um, would feel really painful if it were to happen, let's say today or uh, a year from now. 
Yeah, it's just it's just really interesting that uh, escaping 1980 podcast probably more relevant today than it was when we did it. Things are wild. I, I had a farmer tell me the other day that you know he's worried because you know about selling things because if they, you know there is you know all this inflation in the cost structure and maybe what we thought was a good price may turn out to not be a good price and that's kind of the same story that happened in the 80s you know corn prices were actually high and went up a couple of years but relative to inflation didn't go up as much and uh so it's just uh it's eerily reminiscent of that time period. And I think there's danger, you know, there's potential for danger. I'm not saying it's going to go badly, but the risks are higher today than I think uh, they have been, which is kind of funny because you think about that times are really good right now, no doubt about it, but it's important to really think down the road a little bit here. Yeah. Just to drill down that point you made, Brent, I think, corn prices crossed the $3 line, $3 per bushel, three times between the early 1970s and the early 1980s. And if you'd have told producers like, hey, we're going to have prices at $3, over $3 over the next decade, three times, they thought this is a really good news in the early 1970s. By the time we got to the end of that decade after inflation, which by the way, is way higher than anything we observed today. And it was above that for an entire decade the purchasing power of that $3 per bushel was about half. Uh, and so yeah. it really ate into that. So to wrap this up, um, something that I've been thinking a lot about, we'll write about it, but once you all think about it too, is the range of possible outcomes in 2022 seem really wide. So Brent and I were just talking about acreage expectations. And what's interesting is we have sort of our point estimates in the back of our head. So maybe 93 million acres for corn, for example. Um, but we also got to step back and say, well, what's the range of possible outcomes? And sort of from a theoretical standpoint, you might say, what's the 90% confidence interval? So what range of acreages might capture 90% of possible outcomes? I think practically you can sort of sit down and say, what range would you not be surprised the USDA comes out with in the perspective planting? But what's really important to keep in mind is the range going into 2022 for acreage, for um commodity prices, for profitability, for the Federal Reserve, for the stock market, everything. The points might not have changed very much, but the the, the range of outcomes has really shifted outward. I think that's a really important risk management uh, and just decision-making uh, criteria that we need to think about as we headed in. Like I was just telling somebody the other day, and I kind of said it lighthearted. I think, well, I wouldn't be surprised if the USDA came out in March and said there were 90 million. My range of possible outcomes is really 90 million to 98 million acres of corn. Uh, and that's a wide range. And it's probably a little extra wide, but I think you're going to start seeing forecasts that span that range of possible outcomes. So um, that's, I guess, one of my parting thoughts. Brent, anything else before we wrap up here today? No, just that. Uh, is, <laughs> you mentioned that Christmas is sneaking up on you, and it, it certainly snuck up on me, and I kind of panicked when you said it's only, you know, this is it before Christmas because I am uh, trying to find a cell phone for my daughter who is certain she's going to receive one. And uh, I've, I've been to, uh, they are hard to come by right now, <laughs> all backordered. So uh, there's your supply chain problem of the day. So it's, <laughs> it's pretty much everywhere. Even to like order them or to get them at the store, it's all of you can order them. You will not get it by Christmas, Um, and the stores don't have many. Uh, I've checked two stores now, and uh, neither had 
one had one uh, phone and the other one didn't have any. So, well, I've been planning on, you know, swinging by the local store to my phone's getting old. I've been planning on just buying one, you know, when I was on that end of town. So I better change my strategy. This is helpful. I actually got into trouble back in uh, May. My son's birthday is in June, June 10th. And I, uh, told me to get him a Nintendo Switch and I went to order it in the beginning of May and it said you'll receive it in like 45 days which is like the middle of June like this is not going to go well but luckily I uh, <laughs> you know sometimes you should have these conversations earlier and sometimes you put them off and I put it off but it came in time so I got <laughs> lucky <laughs> so hopefully Brent you can get lucky and uh, you won't I guess you could print off the confirmation that says this is coming and put yeah. it in the card <laughs> so Find Get one of your old a, phone boxes if you really want to find her a flip phone, and that will impress her immensely. I'm sure she's 13. So, <laughs> you know, my dad a few years Never. ago sent me the old bag phone that he had in the 90s. If you want, I could loan it to you as a temporary. My son, of course, loved the idea of this old bag phone that, you know, plugged into a cigarette lighter, had the external antenna. So, lots yeah. of great stuff. Yeah, which we don't have cigarette lighters anymore either. <laughs> Oh, how things have changed. All right. Well, thanks everyone for joining us. Happy holidays. We'll catch you all in the future. In the meantime, stay curious. Thanks.